Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you're here. Why don't you grab your Bible and meet me today in, in Isaiah chapter 45. We're going to start in verse 15. I want to talk about a subject that's not discussed that often, but is certainly still a reality, perhaps maybe even a timeless reality in the sense of our journey here upon the earth and throughout the centuries previously before our time. But let's talk about it today. I'm going to talk about seeking God, going after God when he, uh, when you can't really find him. And while we know that God is um, omniscient and also omnipresent, knowing all things and being in all places, all at once, all at the same time, perhaps there is an element of God, such as his power, that you've heard about, that you know it's a reality, but you haven't found that aspect of God. That's what we want to talk about. Let's open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into today's message, as we study your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate your word so that we can understand it and apply it to our lives, and in this case, find you in the area in which we need you and also in which we desire to see you move in our lives. Now, Father, thank you. A little bit of hide-and-seek going on today, Father. We thank you that we will find you, and we're going to seek you with all of our hearts, and we're going to find you in these specific areas. In Jesus' name, Let's agree and say amen, because I know there's some seekers out there, and that's that's the thing. When you're when you're really seeking, you just cannot be satisfied with answers that don't um, that maybe soothe you, but don't uh, it doesn't solve what it is that you're needing to have fixed. Now, Isaiah 45 verse 15. Truly, you are God. Now, we know that. We know that God is God. Truly, He is. Yes, He is. Truly, you are God who hides yourself, O God of Israel, the Savior. Well, we certainly know that God is God, but there is also this, this thing about God where He can withdraw. He can hide Himself, and you're left wondering, Lord, is, is this all there is to it? <laughs> because, Lord, is good. Salvation is good. Eternal life is good, but am I supposed to continue my spiritual journey on the earth in a state that leaves me wondering, there's got to be more? And so you're looking for that more. You're looking for those answers, and these questions arise when you get really spiritually hungry. That hunger is fueled by reading the Bible and seeing what Christ purchased for us at Calvary, and then what the apostles walked in, then what the New Testament writers spoke of, as well as the foundation laid by the Old Testament of the mighty miracles and signs and wonders that they experienced in the Old Covenant. And so that, that word creates hunger. God's word creates hunger. And then God's word can always be proven and validated in any generation, any time. So now you have the Word, and now you have church history, and as you look across the span of church history, you're like, wow, Lord, you have certainly poured out your power at times, and so the hunger is there, but 
You will look for God in this sense of his power, and you can explore the the lights and the neon signs, although hardly anybody uses neon today, but you can look at all of the glittering lights of celebrity Christianity, of Hollywood Christianity, that would say, here we have the answers that you seek. But yet, for those that are seekers, you will understand what I'm about to say. Yet you realize that after you've grown in the Lord a while and you're no longer in spiritual infancy and no longer in spiritual adolescence, but you're, you're running with the Lord, you soon realize that much of the biblical truths that are taught, whether it's through Christian television or Christian radio or a lot of the good stuff that's on the internet, you begin to realize that the stuff that's feeding the masses cannot feed you any more. And I have heard quite a few of those that are deeper in the things of God say, you know what? I watch Christian television from time to time, but I really can't find much that feeds me or will take me from the level that I'm at currently onto the next stage that God has for me. And so you begin to realize it doesn't take long because I, you know, when I came into Pentecost, when I came into the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, a lot of that was being fed through Christian television at that time. And the landscape of Christian television has changed dramatically over the last 30 years when I first kind of got turned on to it. But today, you'll realize that if you use what's meant for mass media to bring people into the initial stages of their walk with God, salvation, and then the very basics, you'll realize after a while that won't feed you anymore. And a lot of the messages that are taught for the multitudes, um, while we are still in the body, that's just not really uh, scratching your itch, so to speak. It's not giving you the answers that you need as you have moved on with God. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. And remember, salvation is just the beginning. You're not supposed to camp <laughs> in that state uh, of being a young believer for the rest of your life. You're supposed to grow and get discipled in the Lord and in his kingdom and then be able to go out and, you know, minister to others and explain the Bible to others and so forth. And then even the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an initial experience into the river of God, but it's it's like the ankle-deep experience. It's, the initial infilling is just the beginning into the deeper walk with the Lord. So some people think, and a lot, a lot um, of charismatics thought that with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues, that this is the apex. No, not by any means. That's just the initiation into the walk, the empowered walk of the Spirit, walking with God and having now available to you not only the gifts of the Spirit and but what I would say primarily the, the ability now that to have that closer walk with God, 
that you can only have through that help of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Glory to God. Well, in this search for God, truly you are God who hides yourself, O God of Israel, the Savior. In this search for the Lord, the Savior, in a deeper way, you end up asking yourself, where can I find the God of Acts chapter 2? Where can I find the God of Pentecost? Where can I find the God of Elijah? Where even Elisha, when he received the mantle and the double of the mantle, said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where can I find, in other words, the God that uh, does raw power miracles? Where can I find this God? Mm-mm. Today, in our secular society that has drifted far away from God, so much of the spirits that are at work within our culture, they endeavor to permeate the church. And if they're allowed, that spirit will get its way into the church and it will begin to take the bite away from the message of the cross. And then it will begin to take completely away the message of the cross because the message of the cross is very offensive in the sense that it it brings the realization that we have sinned against God and because we have committed sin, sin requires punishment. And so you're, you're left facing with the reality of a heaven or a hell. And if you don't do something about it, you're already in that lost sinful state. So that message, the enemy will try to dilute it and then get it so diluted that it's not even talked about anymore and get it replaced with other types of topics to the point where even now in the Western church, in the American church, it is extremely rare. I mean, you're, this is like looking for a unicorn. It is extremely rare to hear ministers on television talk about speaking in other tongues. I'm talking about those that are supposed to be spirit filled, (laughs) but you can't tell any difference today between their church, their message, their ministry, and any other type of ministry out there that doesn't believe in modern day miracles. Praise the Lord. It's very rare. Again, we're, we're looking for the pink or blue unicorn. Uh, we're looking for evidence of ministers that actually preach on the biblical subject certified by Christ of casting out demons. Oh, now, Pastor Stephen, now you realize we can't, we can't talk about that. Uh, we, we can't even mention subjects like that because those subjects aren't, well, we just don't discuss that anymore. That's not what the people want to hear. And so... When you're looking for the God of power, when you're looking for Jesus to drive a demon out of someone in his name, and you're looking for that power, you're wanting to walk in that power, (laughs) and you're looking how, like, how do I tie into this? Where is this God of power that I read about in the Bible? And all you have to help you is some preacher, as they say, wearing skinny jeans with the fog machine and all of this artificial help and, you know, with all the glitter of what the modern church can produce except for the power. 
and the praise and worship can be beautiful and the lighting can be set in a way that it creates a very relaxing mood and the message can be very smooth and very nice and when it's all said and done you're like that's nice but why is God hiding himself and not showing up here in power now somebody would object and say God is here well yes absolutely he's there his presence is there you you perhaps can get saved there if the gospel of, of salvation is preached and opportunity for salvation is given yes but there are some other things that are going to that are going to elude you because they are God hides himself in that sense from those that don't want these other things that he would be happy to give if they were not embarrassed or ashamed of them. So in that sense, God pulls back and that area is hidden. And you have multitudes sitting in churches that have never once in their life seen a demon cast out of somebody. They have never even seen a minister lay hands on somebody and pray for their healing. They've never, they've never seen it once in their entire life. Praise God. And with all of the Christian media that we have, yet many of these things that are done are done in a corner, or they're not covered, or they're not mentioned on the main platforms. Praise God. Mm-mm. It seems like there are many large churches and large ministries. Listen to me. It seems like all they want to do is have fun. Is it, is it just me that's noticed this? They just want to have fun. Why? Because now they're no longer like the outcast. They're no longer really uh, ridiculed. Now they've arrived and they say, we're now, we're cool. We're relevant and we're here and uh, we can do everything the world can do. And we can have, uh, we can have uh, music and lights and all of this. And uh, we can, we can have organization and structure in our meetings and we can have uh, even even the parkings all figured out. You won't even have a parking delay. We'll get you in and out real quick, and we won't keep you very long. And my friends, uh, there is like this thing now where many are happy with that, and they're content with that. And there is no Pentecostal power manifested in these meetings, in these types of churches. And yet, now watch this. Watch how silly this is. And yet, these same churches will invite a guest speaker in. And the guest speaker will give a good message, maybe a good talk. And then, after the, the message is spoken, maybe a 50-minute message or something like that, that person leaves with a gigantic honorarium or gigantic offering and not one person was prayed for. Well, Pastor Stephen, but they ministered the word. Well, yeah, but that's, that's an incomplete package. Where's the power? Where, where is the proof that the word will do what it says it will do? So a message is taught. A nice message is taught. Everybody claps. The person gets a gigantic offering and leaves. Not one person was prayed over. Not one miracle in the name of Christ was worked. And the church, not you, but many in the church, sit there and think, yeah, this is it. We've arrived. Uh, yeah, 
you've arrived at the bottom of the mountain. (laughs) And if you don't do some serious thinking and some deep praying, you're probably going to stay there until you go home to be with the Lord in heaven. And then when you get to heaven, you'll realize you could have had a lot more while you were down here. And that earthly life determines certain types of positions in the eternal heavenly realm. But you can't change that once you uh, go on to heaven. Uh, yes, you can still take classes and stuff like that, and you can still grow, and you know, you'll know you be maturing and on and on throughout the ages. I will too. But there are some things that you do on the earth that you must take advantage of it now and step into it now because it will determine certain ways that things are set in the eternal world to come. Praise God. So God can hide. And while many think this is it, this is wonderful. There are others though that are sitting there thinking, is this all that that there is to it? When I read the Bible, I see signs and wonders and miracles, yet we're sitting here and we're supposed to applaud this and act like this is great. What's happened to the church? Mm -mm. Uh, Somebody asked me to watch a meeting that was taking place just recently, and I turned it on. Uh, It happened to be live, and this church had invited, you know, and it's fine. That's what they would like to do, so that's fine. They had, they had invited a person to come and speak who is a, how can I say, like a conservative, famous person for, you know, uh, you know your, your, your liberties and your, your freedoms in the nation and so forth. And uh, this person had been invited to speak on a very large platform in a very large church. And so this person is speaking and talking, saying good things saying good things that we should have freedoms and stuff like that, that, you know, and all of that, all that's good. And then the person says, now this statement right here, where, who made this statement? And uh, so he gives a quote and somebody in the audience says, Jesus said that he goes, no, no, Jesus didn't say that. Matthew said that. And I thought here, this person is on this great platform And he's so stupid spiritually that he doesn't know that Matthew wrote this gospel of what happened in the ministry of Jesus and that Jesus actually said that. And I actually thought the speaker up there on the platform, I don't even know if this guy's saved. I don't even know if he's born again. But oh, oh, he he's the conservative voice that people want to hear. And the church. Yes, yes. And so what I'm trying to say is that in the midst of all of this, and there's a lot of celebrity Christianity today, and that, that, that's fine. People can do, the church can do what they want to do. But remember, God hides himself. And there are those who are being served this food, and you're thinking, hey, this is really nice. This is feeding all the young spiritual babies but this is not doing anything for me. And a man speaking to me that's not even born again, that can't even re- read the Bible and figure out who's saying what, that person is supposed to lecture me and teach me about the ways of God. What, what's going on here? 
Well, what's going on here is a replacement with man's best for God's best. And I'm not saying these precious people are not saved. These people are all saved, all love Jesus. But I'm just trying to say there's more. And if you want it, you're going to have to go on a journey to seek God. Because what is pushed right now, there's a large element of God missing in that form of the gospel that's being presented primarily to the Western church. Mm-mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, where's God hiding at? If he's not like really showing up in a sense, where is he? That thought will eventually come across your mind and settle into your heart. And I want to take you and show you today where the fullness of God can be found at. I think the answer might surprise you. <laughs> but I think you could also, regardless of what stream of Christianity you're in, regardless of what denomination you're in, I think you could, with me, at least agree and say there is an element of God that's missing here. Because even when I read the Old Testament, they're having more miracles go on back there in the Old Testament than what we're having in the New Testament. And we're supposed to have all of that in the New Testament. And I'm hardly seeing anything. So what's going on? God's hiding. And he is revealing himself to those that are willing to go to this place who cannot be just, who cannot settle for just a good form of Christianity. Yes, we need to be good religious people. Well, yes, we should be. But there's a lot more to it than that. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, where's God hiding at? Let's go find out. The book of Hebrews chapter 13. Now, now, before you turn there, if you're willing to go here, I'm going to open some things up to you that uh, I'm giving you the key. Now, if you want to go through the door, you can. But if you want to stay where you're at, there's a lot of other things right now you could click over to. There's a lot of other things you could watch. There's a lot of other options. And you can just maybe pretend that uh, you had some internet buffering and it stopped working and you just go somewhere else. Because what I'm about to share with you is the key into these deeper things of God, the fullness of God, but it's only for those really who are supernaturally discontent in a godly way with the current state of where they're at. Praise God. And you want more. And you just can't, you can't function. You can't act like this is all it when you know it's not. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. All right, here we go. If you're ready, here we go. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. Therefore, of course, therefore is a, is a sum total of what has been spoken. So it's being condensed down now in a shortened format so that we can just digest it and meditate upon it. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Verse 13, therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp 
bearing his reproach. Uh, Pastor Stephen, uh, if there's reproach involved, if there's potential for me being insulted involved, if there's any kind of uh, maybe uh, uh, people giving me dislikes on social media, I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Then that, that, That's okay. That's between you and the Lord. But I'm just saying if you want to find God as he's revealed in the Bible, not a watered-down version, then you need to be willing to go outside of the camp. That, that's where he's at. Pastor Stephen, where's God hiding at? Outside of the camp. That's where he's at. Mm-mm. And if you want to know him in his fullness and the beauty of his glory, I want to invite you to come and meet the Lord outside of the camp. I'm not asking you to leave your church. I'm not asking you to leave your denomination. I'm just asking you to go with the Lord outside this encampment within Christianity that has a lot of pop and fuzz, a lot of whooping it up. And I want you to see something about the Lord that will bring answers to you that you need. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Now, of course, the, the Jews, the Christian Jews, were under tremendous persecution to abandon their faith in Christ and go back into Judaism. Judaism with all of its rules and rituals and a system that could never take away sins. It could cover them through the shedding of the blood of innocent animals, but it could never remove them completely. It was only a temporary covering. It's like using a credit card. Somebody's eventually got, got to pay the bill when the credit comes due. Praise God. And Jesus paid the bill. Hallelujah. But my friends, they were under great persecution, temptation to go back into Judaism. And Paul said, don't do that. Don't do that. You'll trample underneath your feet the blood of Christ if you do that. And it would be a complete renouncement of your faith to go back into Judaism. Praise God. In Israel, let's talk just for a moment about coming outside of the camp. In Israel... I'm talking about the nation of Israel. If you are a Jewish man or woman who is an Israeli Jew and you hear the gospel preached and you, you say, that's it. Christ Jesus is the, he's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's already come and you, and you want him and you receive him. He'll save you. But the thing is, is that if you take Christ as your Savior, Jesus as your Savior, and of course he is the Savior, then get ready because uh, it's rough going. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, as an Israeli Jew, you're probably overnight going to be in for the fight of your life. I'm not talking about a physical fight. I'm talking about warfare from family members and the, uh, those in your community and relatives. And I mean, it's like, 
it's like it's going to uh, go haywire because you have done something in the eyes of the Jewish people, many of them that is considered just the most awful thing you could ever do, which is to become a follower of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And overnight, it's almost instant loss of family. The Christian churches in Israel are severely persecuted. Many of them are even burned down. Some of the church members are beaten up. uh, And uh, there's death threats and things like that made against them. And uh, it's very, very difficult. So if you're going all in, you have to go all in because you have to know that cost. It's going to cost you everything. Well, I, I, now, the pastor Stephen, if it was really like that, I don't know if I'd make that decision. Well, you know, these are things that you have to walk out with the Lord, and you have to be willing to go outside of the camp and bear the reproach, the verbal insults, the mocking, the ridicule, and stand with Christ. That's what Paul, he's telling them to do. You know, take your stand. Do not give in to these Judaizers and go back into a system that God has moved on from. And there is now the new covenant. And so, my friends, they stood. They stood. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that have gone to Israel and you've gone on tours and for those of you that eventually one day will go and I hope that you go on our tour of course you'll probably realize if you're if you're a student of the word and you're sensitive to the holy spirit you'll probably realize what my wife and I began to realize like right around the second tour that we did is that most of the jewish tour guides They are Jewish, of course, and they are extremely knowledgeable of Scripture. Not only, watch this, not only of the Old Testament, but also of the New Testament. Their knowledge would surpass uh, most people in the church by far. Their, Their knowledge of the Word, their knowledge of the Bible and historical facts and things like that. But the truth is, if you listen to the way they talk and the way they say, You'll, you'll realize that most of them aren't saved. Usually, only one out of ten, I would say probably about one out of every ten Israeli tour guides with their deep, extensive knowledge of the Bible, only about one out of ten is actually saved because they, they all know if you, if you become a Christian, you, you could lose everything. You, you could lose favor with your employer and you might not have your job anymore, and then you might not have the connections also that, uh, that help you make a living, and your whole world can fall apart if you give your life to Jesus. So uh, you'll, you'll always see a lot of people on tours trying to win the tour guide to the Lord. And I'm like, you don't know what you're up against. Now, this is not like you're just trying to win somebody to Jesus and they go, okay, yeah, you're right, I'll take Jesus into my heart. This is somebody that, uh, and you know, a little bit of that Israeli uh, nature also, as they say, you know, uh, cactus exterior, but real soft and sweet on the inside. Well, you know, they hear it all day long, you know, why don't you receive Christ as Lord? But unless there is a real encounter uh, and a real unveiling by the Spirit, uh, even with that knowledge, most won't touch it. Why? Because it means 
you're going to the outside of the camp. You're getting booted out by your your entire family, and you could lose your job, and then how are you going to pay your bills, and how are you going to support your family, and on and on it goes. And so, you know, it, it's real. It's real. So, my friends, if you really want to go further with the Lord, you're going to have to meet him outside of the camp. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And that doesn't mean, of course, that in a sense, like your world is going to be altered, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to dig deeper and go beyond many things that are very, very superficial, but they are celebrated as being deep truths within the camp. And you get outside of the camp, you think, oh my goodness, you know, it's just like uh, so much more, so much more that God has available for you. Praise the Lord. Here's a good example. Let me talk about St. Dominic just for a moment. A uh, great uh, Spanish uh, prophet of God, a great theologian, and uh, a man that even with his great intellect still understood the power of God and the moving of the Holy Spirit. So St. Dominic told about the time that he was talking with the Pope, and the Pope pointed to one of his gorgeous palaces and said, he said, Peter can no longer say silver and gold have I none. And he answered and said, no, and neither can we now say rise and walk. So Peter, in other words, in his eyes, representing the Catholic church, could say, we no longer can say this. We don't want don't have any silver and gold because we got a whole lot now. Yes, but as St. Dominic noted, yeah, but we can't say any longer, hey, rise and walk. We, we have now all of this stuff. We have all of these, um, maybe we could even call them blessings, but we don't have any power anymore. <laughs> we can't operate in that power. <laughs> now, he could. He had a very strong walk with God, but for most within the church, now, that power was gone. God was hiding himself. And if you wanted to see the power, not, not, not uh, the splendor of buildings, but if you wanted to see the power, you're going to have to go outside of the camp and find those outside of the camp who had discovered God who was hiding inside of the camp, who was now revealing himself outside of the camp. Think just for a moment throughout church history about, think about John Wesley where he was in the Church of England and he was endeavoring to minister and they were not receiving his style of ministry, which in, in a sense he was trying to yield to the Holy Spirit and they didn't want anything to do with that. They wanted their dignity. They wanted their structure and structure can be good. Uh, a certain element of dignity can be good also. Um, but when the Holy Spirit is moving, uh, he wants to be in charge so that Christ is exalted. They didn't want anything to do with that within the established church. So what was he left to do? Go outside of the camp. Oh, and he was reproached. He was ridiculed, made fun of. They said, you'll never be a success because we're barring every pulpit within the Church of England. You'll never speak here again. And so that meant he had to go out and just preach out in the public literally stand on a stump and he wasn't very tall i think he was like five foot two or something like that and stand up somewhere so people could uh, see him and hear him and he'd preach 
and the Holy Spirit, though, had the liberty to move and the crowds came. So if you wanted to really be involved in what God was doing in his day, you weren't going to find it in those uh, particular denominational churches because they were not going, those men were not going to let the Holy Spirit move. And so what was taking place, the moving of the Spirit was happening outside of the camp, literally out in meetings beneath the sun, beneath trees, outside of buildings, and people were being saved by the multitude. And then, of course, in the 1900s, 1904 to 1905, we had the Welsh Revival. But the Welsh Revival, primarily as it was sweeping through southern Wales, was hitting all these small churches. And the Holy Spirit was very selective in what he was doing. He was going to places where he was invited, in a sense. And it didn't matter if it was a church or if it was at the police station or if it was at people's homes, the Holy Spirit was just sweeping through with glory, lifting up Christ, and people were being just convicted all over the place, not only in churches, but in their, in their homes, in their beds while they slept. They had to get up and, and go, go somewhere to try to find relief of, of their sins uh, for the conviction that they were under. Praise the Lord. But these were things that were going on outside, again, outside of the camp, of the structured organized religious system. And then we have Azusa Street, 1906 through 1909, which was very, very unorthodox in that this was not some established denomination with a hid denominational or well-known preacher that was there. But yet God was moving in mighty power. And if you wanted to find God in pure Pentecostal power, that's where you're going to have to go, and that was outside of the camp. Praise the Lord. Think about the Hebrides revival there in Scotland, 1949 through 1952. It was centered primarily in a small town called Barvis, but the Holy Spirit, he skipped completely over the capital of the Isle of Lewis, which was Stornoway, and he completely bypassed a city, and he only worked in the outer areas in these small towns, small churches, small villages, where there was not an organized structure that would resist him. He went outside of the camp, and that's where he was moving. Well, I want him to come here and do it here. Well, if he can flow there and move there, he will. But if he's not welcome there, um, there's plenty of other places where he can go. Praise the Lord. My friends, this is a, I would say, systematic, continual way in which God moves when the church becomes institutionalized, becomes structured in a sense where it's man's performance, man's best, a an effort to replace the gold with brass and man's best ability to do without the Pentecostal power of God. And if you're doing without that power, you're going to have these areas of your life that men can't meet, that the most well-crafted sermons can't, they can't touch it. Hallelujah. Praise God. First Corinthians chapter two. Let's go there just for a moment. Verse 4, 
And my speech, the Apostle Paul said, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You have to understand there are multitudes of pastors in America that want absolutely nothing to do with the power of God. They want everything to be presented in the wisdom of men in a very polished and dignified way. And they love that. They love that element of intellectualism. But there are many, many people that are sitting there and they're thinking, is this all there is to it? When I read the Bible, I see power. When I see the Apostle Paul and how he governed his life and his ministry, it's not just teaching. It's not just intellectualism. Trust me, if there was anybody that could pour on the intellectual brilliance, it was Paul, highly educated, brilliant mind. But even he knew, hey, we we can't build the kingdom like this. We're going to present the gospel and we're going to preach the gospel. And, and yes, we'll try to make it understandable as clear and as proper as we can. But we're going to have to have the power here or, or we're not having the full gospel preached. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. But I believe still that if we're not presenting the gospel as the full gospel, then we aren't presenting the gospel. Praise God. Mm -mm. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, if we do it that way, though, with signs and wonders following and miracles and speaking in unknown tongues and casting out demons, well, now, Pastor Stephen, if we do that, we're we're probably going to, you know, we're not going to be able to attract, you know, all the mighty and the wealthy. Well, from what I see, really, a lot of the mighty and wealthy aren't coming anyhow, (laughs) right? It's not like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and all these others are trying to get in the church. Yes, they're coming because, yes, because we have so much power here. No, they're not coming at all. They're not coming at all. Jeff Bezos is not trying to get into some church. Not that I know of, at least. Praise God. Maybe we should preach it in power. Maybe we should pray for the sick. Maybe we should get back to casting out demons, laying hands on the sick so that Christ can heal them and so that they can recover. And then who knows who might show up? (laughs) Praise God. And if they want to keep it kind of under wraps, because many times those type of people do, because if it's not done the right way, you'll have immature uh, you know, ministers want to grab them and use them as, you know, verification of why their ministry is successful or something like that. You don't just drop the camera for a moment, turn the camera over there. We're not trying to do this for celebrity status. We're not trying to do this so that we can get on the cover of a magazine. Who, who cares about that silly stuff? We're doing this because God loves people and will minister to anybody anywhere that we can praise the Lord, but we must preach the full gospel regardless of who's sitting in the crowd or who's not. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John chapter one. Let's go to John chapter one. Hallelujah. You're going to need God's power in this hour in which we're living. And I see the Lord anointing his people with an immunity against all of the COVID uh, strains and variants, all of the different flus, 
also all of the other yucky stuff that will eventually be popping on the scene and protection against uh, any kind of uh, dangerous situations that might come forth, protection even against economic uncertainties that could affect things. God will stabilize your, your life because your life is built on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. And when you come outside of the camp, you come into the fullness of the Lord, and you're going to need the fullness of the Lord, including the covenant of health, the covenant of provision, the various covenants that are available that many within the camp have no clue about. They, 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 maybe they, they, they say things like, God's our healer or stuff like that, but they don't understand how to tie into that. Listen, I, I used to belong to a ministerial association of spirit-filled ministers, and I won't say which one, and I'm not trying to criticize or anything like that, but I remember, uh, and you know, this, this association had a lot of members, and you know, these were all full-time ministers, and the association was trying to get, the ministry association was trying to get health insurance for all of the members. It was all mentioned, and many ministers were excited about it, but time went by, and nothing ever happened. Well, I spoke to the president of the association. I said, hey, whatever happened to uh, that health insurance that everybody was talking about? He goes, oh, Brother Stephen, he said, um, he said, every insurance underwriter that we went to turned us down. I said, why? He said, they said, you have too many sick people in your group. He said, we, these underwriters said, we could never insure a group like yours because most of your group is sick. <laughs> so these are the ministers. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. So my friends, there has to be not just the proclaiming of a truth, but there has to be an embracing of it, a loving of it, getting to know the healer, Mm-mm. getting to know your provider. Praise God. So that when shakings and difficulties come, that you're not moved. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Some of you have, you have questions and you can't get the answers within the camp. I can tell you where the answers are at. They're outside of the camp. The reason you can't get the answers in the camp is because God's hiding certain elements, certain, uh, how can I say, aspects of who he is. But he's outside of the camp if you're willing to go out there. Mm-mm. This ministerial organization that I enjoyed being in while I was in it, they, they would allow tongues and interpretation of tongues to come forth, but they were terrified of prophecy. The gift of prophecy, they were just like, oh, 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 oh we, we, we don't know about that. We better stay away from that. That's too risky. Do not let any ministers minister the prophecy gift. And you talking about some boring meetings, boring, 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 boring meetings. Because if you, if you say, well, we'll let this happen, but we won't let this happen, you shut the whole thing down. You'll shut the whole thing down. And there was hardly ever any manifestations of the Holy Spirit through spiritual gifts. And they had their favorites that they would try to move in, like gifts of healings or, you know, tongues and interpretation of tongues. They, they would allow that to happen because that that is somewhat now established within the broad Pentecostal church. But as far as power manifestations, 
No, you would never see anything. You could you could probably stay there for 40 or 50 years, not see one real powerful miracle ever. Mm-mm. Well, what do you do if you need one? Or you, you, you're seeking God for one, and you're like, Lord, how do I work with you in order to receive this? Praise God. You're going to have to go outside of the camp. And again, this is just, in many ways, a way in which God operates when a system, a religious, maybe we could even call it a former move of God, becomes now institutionalized, becomes now all rigid, becomes governed by smart men and women who think they're smarter than God. And you're still sitting there with needs, though, that are unmet. And if you were to ask, yes, they can help in some ways, but there's other ways you're just not going to be able to get what you need there. Praise the Lord. Especially when it comes to spiritual things. They don't have a clue. Because the night before they preached that sermon, they watched a three-hour movie full of profanity, maybe even some nudity. And now they're going to stand up on Sunday and they're going to expa- uh, you know, explain to you the this is how it works. They don't know how it works. Their mind's full of baloney. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with movies as long as they aren't garbage and trash. But, you know, if you just piece together a little sermon and the, the, the night before you were just engaged in a bunch of carnality, you just can't turn on, boom, turn on the anointing, turn on spirituality like that. It won't work like that. And even if you're doing that for a while and you're riding on a former anointing, eventually uh, that train will run out of power and it'll stop and it'll be dead on the tracks. John 1, mm-hmm. verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Who are you? We have come from headquarters. We have come from Jerusalem. What's going on out here outside of the camp in these remote places? We govern everything that we do. Back in our denominations, we got Pharisees and Sadducees, and we've got an order here. We want to know what's going on out here. We're hearing some strange reports. Did you know that within Judaism of that day, even within the Pharisees, you had 19 different splits within the Pharisees. And within the Sadducees, you had different branches, different denominations within the Sadducees. Now, they had their their main points that each group believed on, but there were splits and there were divisions and there were different interpretations of doctrine uh, that just were, I mean, it's, it's kind of like it is today. We have a, a lot of different denominations. But nevertheless, they're the ones there in Jerusalem. They're in charge. And you can't get any answers except from them because they know everything. And they've got it all except for the power. Because there ain't nothing going on there. Now, that, that, now, the temple is functioning. They're obeying God's commands. Yes, even Jesus went to the temple. Yes, even Jesus said, yes, uh, you know, pay your tithes and, you know, that's all good. But again, he rebuked them because they're ignoring the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and things like that, of course. But my friends, this 
originates outside of that structure. And if you really wanted to find God, oh, he, he's, his presence is in the temple. Well, yes, although at the same time, we know that in the temple that Herod built, there was not even an Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. Different story where that went missing. That I actually write about that in my book. I cover that in one of my chapters. Where could it be? Praise God. Amen. Book's coming out maybe in about five weeks. Okay. Now, my friends, there are certain things that those within the camp are never going to accept because they want it their way. They want it man's way. And we're not going to have any of that casting out of demons for sure. We don't like that. Well, especially when we have everybody looking dignified, suit, tie, cologne. Yeah, and the dude in the suit and the tie and cologne uh, that smells so good. Yeah, he, he has a demon problem, and he's bound. And unless you get him delivered, he'll sit in your church with the suit and his tie for the next 20 years, <laughs> and he won't change at all. Well, God's here. Yeah, but he's not there in power to deliver that person. You got you to gotta go outside of the camp. Well, uh, we don't want to go out there. We, don't, we you know, look, look I've, I've done meetings before. I've actually had people tell me, oh, Pastor Stephen, please don't put this on camera because if they see me on camera back at my church, they're going to get mad at me. They'll kick me out of the church. I said, I'm putting it all on camera. I'm putting it all on camera. And if you want me to pray for you, I'm going to put my hands on you with the cameras rolling. Glory to God, because I'm not ashamed to meet Jesus outside of the church where we lay hands on the sick and pray for their healing. Well, my, my church doesn't do that. And if they see me in a meeting like this, yeah, they'll probably want you to leave, won't they? They probably won't like you anymore. They'll say you're weird. Maybe they'll say you're a sociopath. Maybe they'll say you're one of those radical Jesus fanatics, aren't you? Mmm. 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 Has council culture snuck into your church? Has the atheistic socialism, all that wild, crazy stuff from the pit of hell snuck into your church? and snuffed out the power of God. I'm not saying God's not there. Mm, mm, mm. But there are some people, I will say this, sitting in churches where the lampstand was put out, put out literally by the Lord. He put out their lampstand, and the church is functioning, but ain't nothing going on. Mm, mm. I can't can't help but think of the funny story of one minister. He He was new in the Holy Spirit. And uh, he had gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit, came out of a Baptist church, and uh, he was just on fire for God. So he set himself uh, in private for like three months to pray in tongues and to seek God all day long for like eight hours a day, ten hours a day, just seeking God, praying and seeking the Lord. And after three months, he kind of popped out of his seclusion and he went to some church. He was so happy he wanted to go to church somewhere. I don't know where it was at, but he went to a church service, and the the preacher stood up to preach. And it was one of those real um, intellectual-type preachers who didn't believe in modern-day miracles or anything like that. And the preacher stood up to preach, and he started saying something like this, Jesus Christ 
is the cosmic mediator between God and mine. <laughs> you know, and that, that's, that's the way the sermon was going. Boring, hello, capital B-O-R-I-N-G, major boring. So he's sitting there. But as he's sitting there, this, 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 this guy that's gotten filled with the Holy Spirit and he's really in love with the Lord, he's actually being launched in the ministry by the Lord. He said, wow, that, that man's up there so-called preaching. Uh, this, this man said, I turned around and I, the lady sitting next to me, he said, suddenly I could see right through her and I could see a cancerous tumor hanging right in this area of her body. And so he's looking at that and he's thinking, Lord, that's really interesting. But yet the preacher's up there, go, you know, doing his uh, somber sermon. And this guy's sitting there seeing that. And uh, the Holy Spirit began to get on that guy so strong, he just stood up and said, Ma'am, the Lord shows me I see a cancerous tumor on you right here. And she said, Yes, I've been diagnosed with the cancerous tumor right there. And he says, Now receive your healing now in the name of Jesus. She was healed and revival broke out. People started running over. People started getting healed. The power of God failed. And that man said that um, just a couple days after that, he was in prayer and he said, Lord, he said, I kind of wrecked that meeting. He said, that man was preaching, and right in the middle of his preaching, you know, I kind of launched into this, and I wrecked the service, and uh, Lord, um, but yet your spirit was moving on me. I don't know what to think about that. Uh, so how, how did, you know, what was going on? And this is wild what Jesus told him. Jesus said, I wasn't listening to that man. Therefore, I would never require you to listen to him either. Mm -mm. Wow. Can you imagine that? A preacher up there preaching away, and God is not even listening to him. Now, if you're in a good church, you're being fed. That's wonderful. Praise God. And there are some excellent pastors out there laboring in the word of God, teaching the full gospel, not ashamed or embarrassed to, you know, to teach the full gospel. Praise the Lord. But there's others that wouldn't dare preach the full gospel because oh, that's not socially acceptable. And if I do, they won't like me and my friends will criticize me. Okay, we'll stay inside the camp. And you're going to miss not only major truths that God would like for you to discover and walk in. Guess what? You're also going to miss the moving. L listen, listen, because everybody says the spirit's moving here, there and everywhere and all this and all that. But he's going to move outside of the camp. That's that's his method of operating. He's going to move again. He's going to move outside of the camp. And. He will go where he's invited, but the power is going to pop, not where you think it's going to pop. It's going to, it's going to be unusual places. Oh, yes, he's coming to the mega church with the world-famous pastor. That'd probably be the last place he goes because the mega church with the world-famous pastor is ashamed to preach the full gospel, is ashamed to call sin, sin, because he knows if he does, he'll probably lose about 80% of his church members because he wants everybody to like him, including the secular media. And while we would never do things to try to offend 
anybody or anyone or any organization or any person. But yet, even the cross, the gospel in itself is offensive in a sense because it says that Christ died for sinners. Are you calling me a sinner? Well, if, if you don't know Christ and you have not received him, you have a sin issue. You have a sin problem, as all of humanity does. And he's the only one that can fix it. And the truth is, he's already fixed it, but you cannot receive the benefit of that unless you put your faith and trust in him. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm-mm. Praise God. Get ready for the moving of the Spirit. Where? Outside of the camp. Pastor Stephen, I'm looking for a different experience, a deeper experience with God. Well, get your backpack on and travel outside of the camp. And that's where you're finding, because that's where he's at. Bearing the reproach. Bearing the reproach. It cost me everything to come in the Pentecost. It cost me everything. It was years after all the hardships that I went through, even years after that, when I found out, wow, how much I I didn't even know how deep it actually ran, my being booted out, so to speak. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And it might cost you that too, to really go after the Lord in the fullness of who he is, the God of power, praise the Lord, who's able to meet your every need. Woo! Woo! Glory! 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 So, the Spirit is going to move again. The Spirit is going to move again. I I don't know, Pastor Stephen, if I want to be associated with that. Well, You're probably going to have to make that decision. Praise the Lord. But I would say make it now. Go with the Lord. Go with the Lord. Go with the fullness of the Lord. Don't be afraid to think. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to realize the king doesn't have any clothes on. But everybody has to act like he does. We have to act like this was the greatest meeting ever. This even outdid the upper room. What happened in the upper room? That was nothing compared to what we had here. Really? Uh, It didn't seem like that to be that great of a meeting. Oh, yes, it was. And we're going to hype it. And we're going to really push it. Because that will create bigger offerings. Hmm. Praise God. Praise God. The power's coming back, but not everywhere. The power's coming back. Yes. It's really what those who've been hungry have been wanting the whole time. It's the power gifts, the gifts of special faith, the gifts of healings, and the gift, the big one, the gift of working of miracles. Praise God. Don't think think you can play that around within the camp. And treat that like that's some kind of just, you know, fun thing. Not, not even. This is, this, is the, um, this is like the radioactive stuff. This is like the uranium, plutonium. <laughs> this is the rare earth stuff. This is the rare heaven stuff coming down. Glory. 
Glory to God. Mm-mm. God is looking for people to steward what he is wanting to release in this next move into the earth. I suggest to you that much of what he is preparing, preparations are taking place outside of the camp, outside of what is even being covered or even being spoken about today. In I would what I would call celebrity Christianity. And I, I thank God for the church. The church is beautiful. But I just know that there's a lot more than what is being hyped or pushed as being the ultimate when you're thinking, no, that's <laughs> I've seen way beyond that. That that's there's no way this is quote the ultimate. This is just man pushing his best. Oh, praise the Lord. My friends. We have to understand that John the Baptist, outside of the camp, way outside of Jerusalem, mm-mm. they even came and saw, but didn't want to participate. They wanted to stay in the camp, all those Pharisees, Sadducees, the priests, you know, the Levites. Praise the Lord. Glory, 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 glory to God. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit's going to be dealing with many of you to streamline your life and make quality decisions to make the push and to not be satisfied with status quo Christianity when Christ died for you to experience so much more. Hallelujah. Glory. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. Pray for those that are watching that are saying, I get it, Pastor Stephen. I know exactly what you're talking about. Thank you, Father. Prepare them. I pray that you prepare them for this great move of your spirit that has been prophesied. It's coming, but there is preparation. Father God, anoint those with fresh oil. Bring them into it. Let them make the adjustments they need to make. Let them bear the reproach and pay the price that you reveal is the price to get into the glory. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, amen. And amen. The church is going to have to learn, look, we can't be playing games anymore. We're going to need real answers, real solutions. We're actually going to come to a place where we need real miracles And uh, we're not going to be able to fake this with brighter lights and a fog machine. Why don't we just throw the fog machine away? And why don't we just get ready, hallelujah, to step into what God has for us? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Thank you, Father. God's doing it. God's doing it. Praise the Lord. If you're watching and you're intrigued, by what has been presented because you're very curious about God and his kingdom, but you don't yet know him. Well, you can know him through his son, Jesus. And if you would like to receive him, he offers to you eternal life where when your life ends, you'll go to be with him in heaven. And he offers forgiveness of your sins and the strength and the empowerment to live for him. If you would like to receive him, even if it will cost you everything, 
This will be the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. If you receive him, you receive his life. If not, and you don't know him, you'll be lost in your sins. And you'll go to the place of the damned where those go that do not know God. If you would like to receive him into your heart, pray this right now. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. But you died to save me from my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Save me now. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And he has heard that prayer. And he has answered that prayer. You now belong to him. Live for him. Glory to God. And watch how good he'll be to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Some of you have been sitting on the fence that divides Jerusalem from the outside of that wall where you go outside. Well, you need to get off the fence. Praise the Lord, because you can't have both. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Take your stand, just like the Hebrew Christians did, written in the book, the letter of Hebrews. Take your stand. Glory to God. And you're going to walk in the glory. You're going to see the greater glory. You're going to see the miracles. And you will see God bless your life. And he'll be to you everything that you need him to be. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's take Holy Communion. I'm so glad that we can take communion together. Praise the Lord. Grab some unleavened bread, some grape juice. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Never as a Christian walk in an attitude of superiority, a spirit of pride, acting like you would know more than others or that you're more spiritual than others. No, always walk with a heart of humility. But at the same time, what I'm trying to say is don't accept something that's mediocre and very mundane as being the fullness of what God has for your life when you know that's not the full package. Praise the Lord. Press, press, press for all that he has for you. Praise God. Yes, don't settle for anything less than Pentecost. The signs, the wonders, the miracles. You serve a miracle-working God. He wants to be active and involved in your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. We set it apart as holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. And Father, as we receive the, the body of Christ, we thank you, O oh God, for your promises. We thank you that we would dare to go with Jesus outside of the camp, bearing his reproach. We thank you. We go. As we receive his body, we go. We receive his body now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus washing all of our sins away 
Woo! Praise you, praise you, praise you, O God. This is the coming forth of the Enoch generation. This is the rising forth of those that will have the walk with the Lord in the secret place. Even if you're called to be in public, you will still maintain the anointing and the flow through your walk with the Lord in the secret place. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. This is an anointing that we must shift into. Father, we give you praise. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hebrews 13, 13, in conclusion. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach.